So this month we had been, uh, we kicked off the year of, of 2020, you know, first Sunday in January. We just felt like it was important to revisit vision and mission. You know, what is it that God has called us to do? What is our what and why are we building this what? You know, so we needed to talk about the what and the why. And, uh, and then we just kind of went over a list of things that we call kingdom values or revival cultures. Um, just things that, that are biblically important for churches, for believers, for individuals to really embrace, to have a powerful walk with God. And you can take it at any level you want to go because God loves you. And he just wants to have a relationship with you as a, as a human being. He wants to, to invite you to himself and reveal himself to you as his father, as your father, and that you to him would be his son or daughter. That's really what all he longs for is that closeness to you, that intimacy. But there's so much more you can have. There is an inheritance. And so parts of those inheritance, of that inheritance that Jesus cracked open for us on the cross... Obviously, you guys know forgiveness of sins. That's basically where most people come in, and a lot of people just stay. I'm forgiven. I want to buckle my seatbelt and make it to the end. I'm going to fake it till I make it. Is that that sounds kind of weird. I don't know if I want to do that. But and then there's more. There's a lot more. And so some of the the revival or kingdom cultures that we want to talk about, we went over that list. So every month we'll take one, and maybe we'll just take one Sunday. This has turned into three Sundays. Um, because we we're talking about the culture of family, how how God has revealed Himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Triune God in heaven, and we all know the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. This is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So that is the, the direction of our prayers, from heaven towards earth. And also, just throw this in for free, you guys know the scripture in Hebrew or Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 2, it says, you have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. So even though you're here on earth right now in this room at 3102 Wheaton Way, you're actually in the spirit, which is hard because we're physical human beings, we don't get the whole dimensional thing of Spirit, spirit dimensions and stuff, but right now in this moment, if you're a believer, you are seated with Christ himself, who is at the right hand of Father God in heaven. You are seated with him right now in the heavenly realm. So when we pray, we pray from that place, from the throne room towards earth. We don't pray down here that God just make things down here change. No, we, we stay in the perspective of from heaven, and we, we declare what his will is in heaven to be done here on earth. It's just a good picture. Just think about that the next time you're praying, if you've if you got a situation you're facing. So family, God is a triune God, and that, that is the model of relationship. So we're going to look at some things here. Let's look at slide number three. I love Psalm 68, 6. We used to pray this at the beginning of our prayer meetings at a previous church. Forrest remembers this. We would often pray at the beginning of our meetings that God would set people into this house. Because Psalm 68, 6, I'll just start it from 5. 
a, he is a father to the fatherless. Just soak that in. He's not the master of the slaves. He's not this, I mean, he is omnipotent. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. He is the mighty God. He is the creator. The one who, one glimpse of him, you would fall at his feet as though dead. He is an all-consuming fire, but he makes a way that you can approach him, and he desires for you to have a relationship with him as your father. So he is a father to the fatherless. I believe today, this might be a small gathering, but if you're in this room today with an orphan heart, you feel like you just wish you could have your father, God wants to heal that. He wants to heal that place of brokenness where you might have a wound, a father wound, or an orphan spirit inside of you that just feels alone and abandoned. He wants to heal that. He's a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious, and that's a choice, they live in a sun-scorched land. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, why do I feel like I'm in a parched land? It's just a, a good time to take evaluation, take inspection, look it over, and find out, have I lost sight of who my father is? Have I lost sight of my God, of, of the relationship I have with God? It's just a thought. But the key thing to, to get from this verse is he wants to set us into families. He is a family God. He reveals himself as father, and he wants to place these sons and daughters of earth in families. That's a beautiful picture. Let's go ahead and look at, we're going to do a little recap. I'm going to try to move quickly because i got to be careful with time. You guys know I like to ramble, rabbit trail, so I'll try not to rabbit trail. We're going to look at slide number four. This is a revisit. We covered this uh, the week one, I believe. So Paul Manwaring, one of the famous British guys at Bethel Church, although now he's back in the UK. The government of heaven is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. So perfect in their loyalty. I don't know if that word scares you, but this is, this is our God, the Godhead, loyalty. Perfect in their loyalty to each other. Perfect in their honor for each other. So perfect in their understanding of the purpose of each other. So secure in the identity of each one that you could glance at three and think you saw one. They are three in one and one in three. They are relationship defined in absolute perfection. And if you need screenshots, you could also get the one behind you too because there's no heads in the way. <laughs> You guys are welcome to do that. <clears throat> and if you need, need this later, if you didn't get a chance to do it, I just, you know, we can pull that stuff up. Although I'm just now remembering, you asked for something, I never gave it to you. And you didn't ask again, so that's your fault, I guess. <laughs> but we can make that happen. Whiteboards, that's what it was, huh? Yep, see, I'm coming back to remembrance here. Okay, so that was a little re recap, flashback. Just a picture of the Godhead. So we learn about family. We, we learn about relationship. We learn about the culture of the heavenly relationship by looking at God, by looking at the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
I love those words, loyalty, honor, purpose, and identity. Three distinct persons in one Godhead. It's pretty wild to try to wrap your mind around this one God. You can get in a lot of trouble trying to do it because a lot of people have come up with heresies and stuff, but just take a deep breath and relax. Three in one. As I learned as a little Lutheran kid going through, uh, what do they call that? What's that thing you do as a Catholic or a Lutheran? Confirmation. Thank you. Someone was going to say it. I heard like multiple people. The, the pastor, Pastor Merz, little German bearded pastor, he held three matchsticks and he lit the three and he said, this is God. Not the sticks of matches, but this is our God. Three in one. Three sticks, one, one flame, one God. I wasn't a Christian yet. So when I did say, Jesus, would you come into my life? I, I need to surrender it all to you on my living room floor, broken and not knowing how he would fix the mess that I was. I knew who I was giving my life to. So thank you, Pastor Murs, for that. God rest your soul. He's probably in the great cloud of witnesses looking down right now going, yes, you gave me a kudos. Okay. So we're going to look at, uh, that was slide number four. Let's go through slides five, six, and seven. This is just a quote from Bill Johnson's book, Release the Power of Jesus. I have not read that book, but that sounds like a good book. How many of you want to just release the power of Jesus? You don't have to be Benny Hen and blow, and you don't have to have the crazy hairdo. You can be you because God packaged you the way you look so that he could put Holy Spirit in you, and you can do the miracles, signs, and wonders. We're supposed to talk about the feathers today, but we'll, we'll get back to that. Don't forget. Signs that make you wonder. Okay. Signs that make you wonder when you're in the bathroom getting ready in the morning and a feather just floats down. And you're like, hello? And then no sooner that it floats and you're like, where'd it go? Here comes another one. You're like, hi. Good morning. You don't have to believe it's a sign and a wonder. But it's a sign that made her wonder. And it makes me wonder. Makes me wonder. Okay, so Bill Johnson's book, Release the Power of Jesus. There's some scripture woven in here, so we're not just quoting people and not using the Bible. Just want to take a deep breath, get off your heresy horse, and we're not going to be teaching false teachings in this place. I got saved and baptized in a word-only cessationist church. So they put a Bible in my hand, and they said, this is the word of God. This is all you need. And I held that thing, and I still hold it to my heart, and I, I balance everything with the plumb line of the word of God. So just take, take a breath. Okay, so, but Bill says, God's highest purpose for the cross was not merely to forgive us of sin. It was so that by forgiving us on the basis of Christ's blood, he can invite us back into an intimate family relationship with him, our heavenly father. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, and that word right, I just love to hammer this in, is it's probably pronounced exousia, but I like to say exousia. But let's just say it the way that, that the Greek thing on the internet told me to pronounce it, exousia. Say it over that with, together with me, exousia. God gave you the right. If you received Jesus, he gave you the right, the exousia, the royal, regal, kingly authority to become children of God, a son, a daughter of God. 
You have been given permission, royal authority. Let's go on to the next one. This legal standing of relationship to God as his sons and daughters is precisely what gives us an inheritance. If you think you're just a sinner saved by grace, you're never going to get into your inheritance. You're just going to stay stuck in habits and constantly asking God, oh, forgive me again, forgive me again, forgive me again. And it's just going to be a, a, a lifestyle of repentance is good, but sometimes people think a lifestyle of repentance just means asking for forgiveness of the same things you do over and over because you keep doing them over and over. And the only way to get out of doing the same things over and over is not to try harder, but it's to think differently. So if you change the way you think from a slave to sin or a sinner saved by grace to I am a son or a daughter of God. I have been adopted and brought into his family. And not just adopted, but I have actually been given the DNA of God into my body, into my life, through the Holy Spirit. You are partakers of the divine nature, the scripture tells us. That's mind-blowing. So if you are partaking, whatever you might be partaking of, could be some stuff that you don't want to be partaking of. I don't know. I've partaken before, but I gave that stuff up. All I'm saying is, if you've received Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come into you. Having believed, you were marked, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of your inheritance. Inheritance. I'd make you guys say it if you want to do it. Inheritance. <laughs> He's the guarantee of it. and You've received him. He has given you his divine nature as, a, as someone who can now be a partaker. So breathe him in. <sighs> Holy Spirit, you're so good. See ya. <laughs> Romans 8 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you're a child, if you're children, then you are heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. That is wild. Jesus' inheritance from the Father, he's invited you and me to be joint heirs with him. Let's move on to the next slide. The fact that we are heirs of God is mind-boggling. I know we read this a couple weeks ago, last week maybe. But we must not be content to read these verses and be awed by them. They prophesy our potential, a potential that we must pursue throughout our entire lives. So you can stay where you're at. You can just get your sins forgiven and, and have a relationship with God, and you'll know you'll get to heaven someday. That's, that's okay. That's, like, that's where we all got to start. But God is inviting you into more. He is inviting you to step into who he's called you to be, a son or a daughter. He has invited you to get that revelation of who now lives inside of you, who has come in to take residence up inside of you, bringing your spirit alive, taking on that identity of a son or a daughter, and walking in the authority that he's given you to walk in. So, so Bill says... These scriptures that talk about our inheritance, they prophesy your potential. They speak forward what God is inviting you to step into. 
that we must pursue throughout our entire lives. So we don't ever fully arrive, but it is, a, it is an invitation to start walking in it from day one until the very end. And I can promise you, the more you walk in your true identity that God says you are, what he's given you, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find joy. You're going to find hope. You're going to experience the love of God in greater measures because all the stuff that blocks that will just start to fall off. It's as you change the way you think about who you are and who he is, speaking of who he is, next, this next month we're going to start talking about the goodness of God. That's going to be good because he's good. He's gooder than you think. He is. And he's in a good mood. <laughs> John 1.12 says we have the right to become the children of God. When God invites us into a relationship with him, he is inviting us into a process of becoming, of transformation. Let's go on to the next slide. I am convinced. So this is Romans chapter 8, 18 through 19, and then verse 29. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. My version that I grew up with says, all creation waits with eager anticipation. The Passion Translation says, all creation is standing on tiptoe. They're watching you. These non-believers are watching to see if you're genuine or not. They want to know if you're the real deal. If this is Jesus you're talking about, if you're going to be a hypocrite or if you're going to actually reveal something about him to us by a changed life. Yearning to see, so they're standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. That's pretty powerful. For he knew all about us, about you, about me, before you were born, and he destined, he predestined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son, Jesus Christ, our king, is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. So I want to encourage you today, if you don't take anything else with you, practice, get used to calling God your father and get used to if you can do it, I don't know if I can do it yet. Call Jesus your brother. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but it is biblical. He, Hebrews chapter 2 says, I am not, he is not ashamed to call you brother and sister. In fact, he presents you before the Father and says, here I am, and with all the sons and daughters you've given me. Therefore, he is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Blows my mind. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you're just like all comfortable with that. Okay, next, next slide. So this is what we looked at last week. We looked at the Luke 15 story. We're not going to read it again because then we would just be repeating last week. These are the... <laughs> thank you. She's going to keep me moving along here. Mm -hmm. So these are the places where we can land in our walk with God. From the prodigal story, you can be in pre-inheritance. You could be running away from God or running towards him. You can be in that place of revelation that's coming through being at the bottom of your pit because you've been rebelling against God and you're realizing he's good and so you're wanting to turn around and run home to him. So you could be returning home. 
You could be the elder brother who's been a Christian for a long time and you forgot whose you are and who he is. And you take on that orphan spirit, the performance attitude, the self-hatred, the critical spirit. I did want to highlight that because that elder brother and then the running are the two most dangerous places to be. You're either running away from God, which is not a good place to go, or you're with him, but you have the older brother syndrome, which is not a good place to be either because you've put yourself in the place of judge or the, the goal, a son or daughter at home where you are experiencing rest. God is inviting you to step into his rest, the rest that comes through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus paid it all. We sang it today. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, and he has washed it white as snow. Let's move on. We're going to keep rolling here, and then I'll... Okay, so to deal with this elder brother syndrome or orphan spirit, I won't go into what an apostolic move of God is, but I'll just say that's kind of what we consider ourselves. Jesus is our great apostle, so we are apostolic. An apostolic move of God without an inner healing move of God will result in older brother syndrome. So we place a high value in this church on inner healing. It is our desire as a church to have an inner healing ministry in place in the future. But until that time comes, we know where we can direct people to go get inner healing ministry. We call it SOZO. That's just one form of inner healing ministry. That's the packaging that Bethel uh, put together. They gave it the name SOZO. just means inner healing ministry. That is how we deal with that whole orphan spirit thing. Let me just look at my notes here. Okay, so, yeah, we're going to go on to the next slide here. Maybe this will kind of help see where this fits in. So our earthly relationships, every healthy relationship we experience here on earth, I say healthy, okay, not the negative ones, but healthy relationships, they are intended to be a type or a mirror or a shadow or a highway that teaches us about the revelations in excuse me the relationships in heaven. So we talked earlier about the relationship of the triune God in heaven, and we we noted that it's the prayer of Jesus that we would pray and agree, "Your kingdom come here on earth as it, as it is in heaven." So we want the relationships of heaven to come and influence our relationships here on earth. And vice versa, we want our earthly relationships to mirror what we see in heaven, where there's honor, where there is understanding of identity, where there's understanding of each individual's purpose. We are not all the same. We don't all have the same gift set and gift mix. We all have different purposes. We all are called sons and daughters. It's an even playing field at the foot of the cross. But heaven's government, the kingdom... The king's rule, the king's domain sounds scary. It is about relationship. And God places a high value on our relationships. Let's go to the next one. Family is a bigger idea than most of us have been raised to believe. Perhaps we've taken it for granted, or because of so many broken family lines, we have not fully embraced God's picture of family. See, this is where inner healing comes, comes in. 
God wants to heal those places of broken family lines that you've experienced, that you've walked through here on earth. He wants to heal that so that you can get a better, deeper, stronger revelation of how he wants to infuse this heartbeat and passion of his, which we call family. He wants to give that to you and me to where it's not scary. It's not something we have to be afraid of. But back to that. Maybe you've not fully embraced God's picture of family. Sometimes it's out of self-preservation. I got hurt. I ain't going to get hurt again. I'm not walking into a church ever again. Yeah, she's back there mirroring me. I'm not talking about you, though. You're here. But that happens. People are like, I am never going to get hurt. I will protect myself. Screw the church. That is not what God wants for you. It's not what he wants for that person out there. And I believe that God has sent He's given Tammy and I specifically a call to heal hearts. Heal hearts that are broken from relational breakdown, from leaders towards people, people to people, whatever, church injuries, self-preservation. Or we reduce our value for families, especially when we observe the inadequacy of our own. See, we compare our own family and we're like, eh, my family's all screwed up, so screw every other version of family. I'll just, me and Jesus until the end, as long as I fake it till I make it, whatever. So the green part there says, we think we can somehow protect ourselves from the pain of knowing that we have less of something. Okay, that's where that sneakiness comes in. We don't necessarily know we're doing it, but we're trying to protect ourselves from pain because we know that what we've experienced doesn't measure up to what we're hearing or reading in the Bible. And it's such a high value to God. He puts a high, he is father to you uh, before anything else. He says, I am father God. And I put my spirit of sonship in you so you can call me Father God. Family, it really is God's big idea. It's his dream, his view of what is beautiful. We're going to wrap this up here. A couple questions to ask. Next slide. We're not going to try to answer this, but where do you feel most part of a family? At work? At the bar? Oh, wait, that would be social circles. At church, at home, some kind of club. Just think about it. Where do you feel most part of a family? What elements exist in your relationships with this group that make it a family? And then some encouragement for us. And just think about this, guys, before we end this. Just think about this as you go into the week. Take some steps to strengthen your relationships with spiritual fathers and mothers. I made it my aim, our aim as a, as a couple and as a family to have a spiritual dad in our lives. We've had other spiritual fathers and I still honor them as spiritual dads in my life. And we invited Galen and Danette to be a spiritual mom and dad to us because we need it. I'm going to just say you guys probably need it too. If I need it, you probably need it too. Now, maybe you don't, but I think you do. Everyone needs it. There you go. So evaluate, take some steps to strengthen that, maybe make phone calls. You know, one thing I heard years ago from Mark Driscoll, the guy who used to lead Mars Hill Church, he said, if you need a brick to build something in your life and you don't have that brick, look to the person that you see who has the bricks you need. If you see someone that has a strong marriage 
and you want those bricks, then go spend time and pull from their life. Mark said he would spend time with this couple that had children, learning how they did family, learning how they trained their kids. So whoever has those, those bricks you need, pull from them. Take steps to strengthen those relationships. We're aiming at FaceTiming Galen, hopefully this week, just because we need that constant communication. And honestly, we need to hear from him, you guys are doing good. You guys are right on target. That means a lot from a pastor of a church who's been in ministry for over 30-some years, longer than that, 40-some years. If you have not built these relationships, this is your opportunity to pursue and establish these kinds of relationships in your life and or ministry. Let's just ram through this. We're going to do it. Just a couple scriptures. For although you could have countless babysitters in Christ... I love the Passion Translation. I thought you guys would enjoy that. You can have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong. Although you have that, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. But I am a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into the union, into union with Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, or no, the Corinthians, excuse me, the anointed one. So I encourage you, my children, follow the example that I live before you. Biblically, there are spiritual fathers and mothers. Timothy, Paul wrote to him, he said, don't be harsh or verbally abusive to an older man. It is better to appeal to him as a father. As you minister to the younger men, it's, better, it's best to encourage them as your dear brothers. Honor the older women as mothers, and the younger women treat them as your dear sisters with utmost purity. So God's heart is that we begin to see one another in the sense of family, that those who have maybe a maturity level, and it doesn't have to be overall maturity, it could just be in a certain area, or it could be as a spiritual leader, like Galen is to us. We see them as a father or a mother to help learn and grow from and and get something. And God also wants you to grow up into maturity so that you can parent young believers there are, if, if we are believing God for a great revival, if Bremerton was hit by the power of the Spirit and people were getting saved on the streets, they're just having dreams in the night and they're like, I don't know, I just need Jesus. Where's the clear, closest church? And they start pouring in here and on a Sunday morning. We got 100 people in this room who are brand spanking new baby Christians. We need moms and dads to nurse these babies, to change their diapers because they're going to make some stinky messes. They're going to come in here and talk about what about gay marriage and all that stuff. What about, you know, drugs? What about having sex without being married? All of that stuff. They're going to come with it all. And he, he is not afraid of it. He is not afraid of sin. He's so not afraid of it that he allowed Jesus to go to the cross and bear the weight of it all in his body. Just so he could bring you to himself. So Romans 12, we're going to close with this. Thank you, Isabel. Be devoted. Stand up. That'll help too. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. And this is the goal. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. We spend a lot of time 
And you can even put the last one up as well if you want. Chris Vallotton, see we ended it with a quote. It's only when we find our people that we can fulfill our purposes. You can't find your purpose until you've found your people. God did not design you and destine you to do solo Lone Ranger Christianity, where it's just you and him in a mountain tree somewhere with your Bible and a bag of granola sipping bottled water. He, he intended you and me to be set into families because he is a family God. And he put such a high value on family that so much of the New Testament scriptures, the letters were, were explaining how to deal with our disagreements and our, our bitter roots and things that are... That, you know, when we crisscross each other, Sister Sandpapers brushed me a little bit too sharply. And, you know, God wants to help us to not just cut and run the first time somebody pisses you off. Did I just say that? He does not want you to just cut and run the first time you get offended. Now, you might have to cut and run if you're in a place where the offense is just like, that's all they do. If it's just one big offense party... But God has given you thicker skin than that. And if you feel like your skin's not very thick, then just pray. Say, God, give me thicker skin. Help me to not wear my feelings on my sleeve, on my shoulder, not to walk around with a chip waiting to get spoken to the wrong way so I can get out of there again because really what I like, and honestly, it's more comfortable for all of us to go hide out and just stay at home. I would rather just be Tammy and me and my kids, but they get bored, so... But I know that's not what God called me to. See, in my flesh, in my flesh, I would much prefer to sleep in on a Sunday and just heck, play games on my phone, drink coffee, watch a movie with the kids, go for a drive out to Paulsville. Hey, guys, let's go have breakfast somewhere. Let's, you know. But we realize that God has called us to place his kingdom in him and his family before us as number one priority of our lives is to keep ourselves knitted in and surrounded by believers. So let's pray. I'll find out when I edit this audio later on how long this preach actually went. <laughs> Hope you guys are okay. You guys good? You're like, yeah, I'm tired. Pray and let's go. Okay, so Jesus, <laughs> we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the, the magnificent glorious price that you paid for going to the cross. The blood of Jesus, the new and living way, new and living, fresh way that was opened for us on the cross. We thank you, God, that you have opened our eyes and you have predestined and called us to rush in to you, to come into your body, to come in through you, the gate the door, and to find ourselves at rest in you, perfect peace in you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that from that place of rest in you, that all of the stuff of earth can just get lost in the shadows and in the past, and we can push forward in you into knowing our Father, into knowing the Creator, and into knowing the great inheritance that you have provided for us. We thank you. And we don't take it lightly that you have given us permission to become joint heirs with you, co-heirs with you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. 
and we just say, Father, we love you. And we say, Father God, heal the broken places in our hearts where we might have father wounds. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us, that you have sealed us, and that you are infusing us with the fire of God. In Jesus' name, amen.